Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the New Testament book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. I will be reading from the New International Version. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, no more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Oh, thanks to our choir for reminding us of God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. We've celebrated a couple of birthdays today. If you, if you haven't seen Hazel Gamble or Patsy Jones, wish them a happy birthday. They've been celebrating. Of course, it's a big day in the Wadlington family over here and all their family that's gathered from the extended. How far have we come from? Where's everybody from? Sledge. Any of the rest of y'all know how to get there? <laughs> it's that way, I think. <laughs> Welcome. We're so glad to have y'all here today, again, to celebrate with your family. We uh, take a look at the scripture from the 14th chapter of Matthew today to get our gospel reading. Let me invite you to stand in honor of that reading as it gives us the words of Christ. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Be seated. You guys remember hee-haw, some of you do? Raise your hand if you remember hee-haw. All right, you're dating yourselves. Thank you very much. My favorite character on hee-haw was Grandpa Jones, partly because he played the banjo, but also because he evidently knew how to cook. Do you remember when he would come on on and, and they'd say, the crowd in the background would say, hey, Grandpa, what's for dinner? Do you remember that? And he would come out with something like, uh, Chicken that's fried to a golden brown, plenty of tea so you'd think you'd drown. Squash casserole with a Ritz cracker crust. Field peas and limas and greens are a must. Stuff it all down till you think you'll die, then top it all off with my fresh apple pie. And then you know how they would respond. Yum, yum. That's right. Have I made you hungry? Yeah, do you know where you're going to eat lunch today? Somebody, have y'all had that discussion? John, where are y'all going to eat? At the house. Okay, all right, good, good, good luck. How about y'all, Perry? Are you going to eat at the house? At, at home, all right. How about, how, how about the Clarks? Where are you guys eating? Oh, but, okay. I asked Charles Stewart earlier, and he says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make good on this one. He says, I'm going to go eat at Wendy's. <laughs> it's, that's his wife, you know, okay. All right. all right. 
Well, maybe that made you hungry, just thinking about it. You know, is your stomach starting to rumble a little bit, maybe? I don't know. Some of you are thinking about, say, I've gotten you thinking about what you're going to eat now, and you're going to be wishing this was over sooner, aren't you? That's right. But I'm going to watch you. If you fall asleep, though, I'm going to get you. All right. Sometimes we get hungry. We get really hungry. Are you hungry today? Major lunch plans yet? How hungry are you? Really, how hungry are you? How hungry are you spiritually? Are you expecting to be offered some spiritual food as you gather here for worship on a Sunday morning? A lot of times we come into our worship experiences and we just, I mean, face it, we just don't really expect anything to happen. We don't expect ourselves to be anything different. We don't expect ourselves to learn anything. We don't expect to pick up any other words from the Bible than we've already heard before. We just really don't expect much unless we come hungry. Jesus was dealing with a group of 5,000 people, and they were hungry people. How hungry are you? Many times, how you get spiritually fed, fed depends on how hungry you are. Now, Bishop Max Stokes one time uh, was asked about if he had ever heard a sermon that he didn't get something out of. And he says, well, I've never heard a sermon that I haven't gotten something out of, but I've had some pretty close calls. How hungry are you? Do you really expect to get anything today? In today's passage, Jesus dealing with this herd of hungry folks, 5,000 men plus women and children, who knows how big the crowd was. The disciples came to him and said, look, it's late. Send them all home. Send them to the villages. They've got to get something to eat. Jesus says, no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. Well, all we've got is five loaves and two fish. You give them something to eat. Now, that doesn't sound like the Christian thing to do for them to be sending all those folks away like that, but it gets testy when your resources are limited. And sensing their frustration, Jesus says, bring what you have to me. And he took the loaves and he blessed them and broke them and passed them out. Well, you heard the story. Now, there are a couple of interesting things about this passage that I think we need to address as we look at it today. Not just, not just the lessons to be learned, but a couple of interesting things. One of those is that we get a glimpse at the personal side of Jesus. Why did he go to a lonely place? Why did he get in the boat and withdraw from the crowds and go and find a deserted place? If you look back in the verses just before this, you realize what has happened his cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed. And our passage opens with, when when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. He went because he was grieving. He was hurting inside. He'd lost one of his family members, someone that he had a lot vested in. And to hear that his cousin had died at the hands of Herod tore him apart just like it would you or me. So he gets into the boat. Maybe he wants to go spend that time with his disciples, 
who I'm sure were with him, to talk with them about it and about his loss. You would do that, wouldn't you? And you would be hungry for that. Another thing that we find out as a part of, uh, of this passage, I think, is that there is a bit of a parallel between this passage and Jesus' exchange with the woman at the well. You remember, as, as we've seen in this story, Jesus says, bring what you've got. Bring the little basic things. Bring those five loaves and those two fish to me. And I'll take, I'll take them. I'll bless them. I'll break them. I'll give them out. It's going to be plenty. It's going to be fine because I'm bringing more than bread. In that situation with the woman at the well, he goes to the well. The woman is there. He asks her for a drink. She says, why do you ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? You're a Jew. We don't have any dealings with one another. He says, you know, if you knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would ask me, and I would give you living water, and you'll never thirst again. Again, he takes that very simple, basic thing, water, and he turns it into an offer that he makes to bring a blessing to another person's life. The people wanted bread, and he offered them the bread of life. The woman wanted water, or he wanted water, and he turns it around to her and offers her living water from which she will never thirst again. Those are the interesting things that I saw coming out of that passage. But then there are some key things that we need to remember as well. First one's this. There in the Holy Land and here today where we live, people are starving out there. You know the statistics. Each day, about 35,000 children die from starvation, malnutrition, or waterborne diseases in our world. People are starving out there. How wonderful it is to be a part of a church that seeks to address the basic needs of life for people, even around the world. In our local community, yes, but even around the world. You realize that in Stop Hunger Now, over the last four years, we have packed over 120,000 meals to be sent out around the world. Some have gone to Haiti. Some have gone to Africa as part of larger shipments from Stop Hunger Now to address the disaster areas of the world. How great it is to be a part of a church that's addressing the, the water situations in some remote villages in Honduras. And over the last few, few will, uh, years, we have provided six tr water treatment centers for local communities so that their children can drink clean drinking water. Homeless and hungry refugees are very much a part of the global village of which we are a part. Poverty and war and famine join forces to drive people into strange, desolate, lonely places. And people are killing each other out there. I mean, right now, we've got fighting in the Gaza Strip, rockets flying here and there in Israel. Nobody can seem to find peace, a way to peace. There's civil strife in the Ukraine. We've seen the downing of a passenger jet with 300 people almost on board. 
the kidnapping of Sudanese, Sudanese girls, all they want is an education. Floods of minor children from South America making their way to our southern borders. Drug-infested border zones. The Ebola virus spreading in Africa in a way that it's never done before. The Gunya virus that has now found its way to our shores. It's how much of the world lives. Why so many look to the United States as a place of refuge, as a place to start life anew? Oh, I'm, I'm like you. I know the United States is not a perfect country. I give thanks for it, though, every day. I give thanks for the religious freedoms that we have. I give thanks for the so, so many opportunities that we enjoy. But people have, we're not perfect, but people have flocked to these shores because they were hungry. Some were physically hungry. During the Irish potato famine, people came because they couldn't make it on their own in the, countries where they, in the country where they lived, and they made their way here and set up shop. And some were simply hungry for a chance. Some came because they just wanted to have a chance to live. Into those places, Jesus comes ashore to the hungry crowd and says, I can give you more than life. We have uh, here on our shores up in the harbor in New York, in the East River, I guess it is, that great symbol of freedom and opportunity, the Statue of Liberty. You know, uh, some of you can probably remember uh, memorizing Emma Lazarus's poem. I, I can't do that, but some of you might remember it. You memorized it in high school. There on the pedestal that where Miss Liberty stands, it says... Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch. Whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name mother of exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands, your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. We would seek to be a land of opportunity. We would seek to be a land of hope and dreams. Those were the kinds of things that the people were looking for in even Jesus' day. Sure, they were physically hungry at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and the disciples would have sent them away to find food. But Jesus was ready to offer them more than that. His disciples would have sent the crowds away, but he says to them, you give them something to eat. Oh, no, Jesus, send them away. No, you give them something to eat. Let's face it. It's not our first inclination to do it. We have a million excuses for not ministering to the needs of humanity. Our brothers and sisters who stand by a locked gate seeking a land of opportunity in a land of in a life of pain and destitution. 
We cite unemployment figures, speak of densely populated cities and rising crime rates, national debt, national debt, national debt, and we wonder if what we do will do any good anyway. And all that goes to show that we too are starving, spiritually malnourished, lacking compassion. And we have found that we too are in need of a place to come when we are hungry. We come to Jesus in a place like this. We come together for a worship service. We come hoping to hear a word from the Lord. We come here because we're hungry. We come to Jesus because we're confident that on a communion Sunday when we observe those, Jesus can take our little pieces of gluten-free pita bread dipped ever so lightly in Welsh's grape juice and turn it into something special. That's why we come. This crowd that follows Jesus, this multitude, didn't go to the countryside for some sort of old-time dinner on the ground. They went because they knew, at least they hoped, he could satisfy their hunger because they knew, or at least they hoped he could do something special in their lives. This summer, Mary Evelyn has had a wonderful opportunity. She's uh, been in Birmingham. She's been home here the last couple of weeks, but she's been in Birmingham. She's been keeping her tennis coach's grandchildren for one thing, and that's been its own challenge. But she's also worked as a summer resident assistant on the campus at Birmingham Southern College. But the thing that has been so special for her is that she's been able to serve as an interpreter, an English-Spanish interpreter in medical and dental clinics there in the Birmingham area with the Spanish-speaking population. Those people have come to receive the care at those clinics that they know that they can get because they have physical needs. They come, though, because they also have real spiritual hungers, and many of them need somebody to talk to, even if their interpretation is as broken as it is. You know, I don't get to go to camp as much as I used to, but I still serve as our conference camping coordinator. And during the summer, I try to get to the different camps and see uh, how they're operating, see how camp is going. Oh, and they've been having a great summer. Camp Wesley Pines, Camp Lake Stevens, Seashore, Gulfside is trying to get its thing going again down on the Gulf Coast. But I was at Camp Lake Stevens uh, not uh, just, just this past week or the week before, I can't remember which. And um, I met with their board, heard their reports, great summer they were having. But another of the things that I get to do is I get to go and eat a meal with them and all the campers that are there for the camp. And let me tell you, those kids come to the dining hall and they are ready to eat. They sing a blessing like we sing a blessing on Wednesday nights. This time they did the do wa diddy blessing. And I know that you can't wait for us to learn that one. But, uh, but then those kids, man, they go to the trough and they eat. And I mean, they eat and they eat. They've been swimming and they've been canoeing and they've been hiking, all these other things. And they're just kind of worn out and they're hungry. They come in there ready to go and they put it away. And their goal is to not have anything left over at the end. (laughs) Because they're hungry. 
They come in there famished. And then at night, I get to go and experience the worship at the camps. And there I get to experience their spiritual hungers. I remember 38 years ago, 1976, my first year as a camp counselor at Camp Lake Stevens. Just so happened that Sam Morris was the preacher for the week. Sam had talked with the kids that night about seeking forgiveness when you know you need it. And we had had a wonderful worship time, but everybody was hungry. It was store time after it was over, so they were headed out. But I noticed two young junior high girls up near the altar table whispering to one another. So I I decided to forego my Dr. Pepper and Milky Way and went over to see them. Said, you guys all right? Can I help? 